0: Hey, guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. My guest today is an accomplished writer, director, executive producer for film and television. He's the executive producer and the lead director on the Good Witch series starring Catherine Bell, now in its seventh season. He's here with me today to talk about a film he wrote and directed that was just released. The film is called The Marijuana Conspiracy. The film is based on a true story of the government or the Canadian government experiment in 1972 on the effects of cannabis consumption by women. Craig Price, thanks so much for joining us today on Let's Be Blunt with Montel.
1: Happy to be here. Thanks, Montel.
0: Yes, sir. No, this is really kind of crazy. How did, first let's back up a little bit before we talk about the movie. How did you get your start in the entertainment industry?
1: I was, uh, I went to film school back in the day And then I spent two years basically trying to make my first feature, which is really hard to pull off, but I managed to get it done. It was a horror film called Revenge of the Radioactive Reporter. (laughs) It's actually becoming a bona fide cult film. Um, I've actually had Van interested in me re-releasing it and a lot of people re-releasing it. And I went from there to another horror film called The Dark, which um, starred Nev Campbell And we sold it to HBO and um, Miramax at the time. So it was really a a great introduction. And then I sort of needed to get a day job, so to speak. So I went into television (laughs) and I um, directed um, a fair bit of episodic, a lot of episodic. And then I missed uh, the movie experience. So I started doing more TV movies where the director has more of a say in how things are done. And um, that morphed into one of them was a show called Good Witch, which you mentioned, which was we did seven movies for... um, Hallmark and then Netflix picked them up eventually. But after that, the network wanted us to morph it into a series. So we've actually done uh, seven seasons now of The Good Witch. So it's been a 14 year journey in that respect. But along the way, I've always been interested in other projects and off seasons on other projects. And that's why this one sort of came came about.
0: Oh, gotcha. Well, yeah, Good Witch is now in its seventh season, like you just said, yeah. And literally, uh, it's the highest-rated show on Sunday nights on uh, your outlet. So, okay, well, so it's great. Um, um, how did you take the time and w- w- to develop this project? When what, 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 what excited you about it and brought
1: you to it? Well, first of all, I found out about it about five years ago. And I always develop things along the way, and then I just go back to them when I have time and see what I can make. So what happened was this thing kept rising to the top of the pile. It's just such an interesting story. It started with an article in the Toronto Sun written about what happened in 1972. As you mentioned, it's a true story. And when I started looking at the characters, uh, the real women who went through this experiment, and looked at just the whole time in 72, the mores, the, the laws, et cetera. I said, this is an incredible story that nobody knows about. And it worked, there's so many layers to it that I wanted to get further into it. So I approached Diana who wrote the, she's an investigative journalist. And I said, I need to know more about this because I'm seriously considering turning it into a film. So she gave me additional research, phenomenal details about everyone involved in the experiment on both sides. And then I got to actually meet the real women. And that sort of was a big turning point for me that I was determined to make this a film because they were so honest and open and vivid in their description of that time that it made it much more real for me and and how much more depth I could do in telling the story. So I just looked at what was going on back then and these women's lives, and I said, this is going to be a great film. Uh, creatively, because I had done a lot of nice television, like Good Witch and Things, I wanted to get back into my independent filmmaking because I really started there and missed it. So um, I just thought, you know, this is a challenge for me. I haven't done true story and I haven't done um, a period piece, which is hard to do, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um, I just was determined and I managed to have a great collection of of crew and facilities and things from, from my, uh, Goodwitch and things. So I, I called out to the team and said, you know, you guys got to jump on board for this. It's a smaller film, but I really want to make it. And there was tremendous loyalty about that that I really appreciate.
0: And, you know, I mean, did, did it take you back? Or did you have to pause for a second to think, I mean, I get doing a a period piece about experiment, but this is about cannabis. And were you like, you know, having to thread a needle there to make sure that it didn't seem like it was promoting cannabis too much or the fact that it was literally, you know, a uh, or, or not antagonizing, but really calling out the government, the same way the U S government should be called out for some of the things that it's done when it comes to cannabis. But did that take you back at all?
1: Yeah, that's a, that, that's a, there's a lot of good questions all in that one statement. Um, first of all, I i did i looked at it and said i that's exactly why i made the film actually i didn't want to make something where people would say you can't say this and you can't do that and this can't happen and that can't happen i was very um i i guess determined that you know it's it's it doesn't matter that cannabis is in it it's an important part of the story but it's also about these women's lives and the government so um you know i mean if you want to step back back then it was illegal in Canada uh, in 72. If you had a single joint, it was seven years in jail. And the federal government, Trudeau Sr. at the time, commissioned a study to see if they could be a little more lenient. The reason behind it's interesting, which we can talk about later. In the meantime, the provincial government here, which would be like a state versus the federal, they were dead set against it because in 72, they treated marijuana like a class one narcotic. So what that meant was um, if... Not only did you get seven years in jail, you couldn't go to college, you couldn't go to university. So they looked at that and society in general was like, they didn't want to go near anything like legalization um, at the time. And they felt it was just fine because it was mainly just street people and, and small time criminals using marijuana. So the provincial government did their own study, which was fascinating the way it was done and the ethics of it. Um, but they had an agenda because they were so anti-marijuana. Interestingly enough, to answer the second part of the question, we do have, we even now have had resistance to this film. Social media um, won't let us do boosts. We can't have marijuana in our title on one of the social medias. Mainstream media is slightly reluctant to talk about it. And also the marijuana companies, because of all the regulations still exist, are like um, we want to, we, this is an important film in our history and we want to support your movie but we can't because our lawyers are telling us that we're promoting marijuana use and etc. And I said, well, that's you Haven't seen the film, but so it's still, you know, to a certain extent going on. And what you mentioned about the states, um, there's still certain states, as you know, where people are in jail still, um, for marijuana use. And the federal government, hopefully, the more act is going to be, uh, a very it will happen, I hope, because that will get sponge people.
0: I, I laugh, I, I just chuckle a little bit when you say there are a couple of states where people are still in jail. There's across America, people are still in jail. This is going to be something that. You know, I I really wish I could could have as much hope as you have, but I got to tell you something. Just like we see what's going on in this country when it's the last stand for attitudes of old, this is the last stand. This is the last opportunity that people get to utilize something as benign as a plant to re enslave people. Yeah. You know, you look at the divisions in America and you recognize that. I don't know if it's the same in Canada as it is here, but, you know, and I I don't think it is the same in Canada. But, you know, clearly 80 percent of the people who have been arrested or prosecuted for cannabis use in the United States are people of color. This is an enslavement tool. And there are the powers that be who do not want to give up enslavement. It's so interesting when you say states where there are still people in prison. I mean, in all of the legal states, there are still arrests going on for cannabis. I know. But just make sure you depend on who you arrest. So I, I found it really just absolutely crazy. Talk a little bit more about, you know, the kind of pushback you have for a film that to me is a look at an educational historic perspective. That's the way it should be looked at. I mean, we're we saying we can't even talk about cannabis, period. Nobody's talking about promoting its use, especially I don't think your film does that at all. I think your film literally takes a look back at the ignorance around some of the research that was done back then in the day. And and it's real, true impact on people. So I just don't I don't get why, especially why the cannabis industry wouldn't come behind and say, guys, take a look at this. This is something that you should look at and see the true history behind cannabis.
1: Well, that, I, that surprised me a lot because they are actually growing it and they are actually selling it. So why on earth they couldn't, you know, again, if you see the movie, it's not an anti-marijuana film by any means. It's not a pro-marijuana film. It's you decide. It's really about the human condition and how these women were treated and the agendas and manipulation of the government to get results that they were looking for, which we can talk about in a minute. But yeah, I for, like. I didn't understand, I guess I was a bit naive about it, that why whenever we did a boost on social media, it would get automatically rejected even with an appeal. And I had talked to some of the top people in the pot, marijuana companies, and one of them does strains. They actually do scientific for municipal purposes and looks at all parts of the plant, not just the THC and CBD. He really believed in the film and was told though by legal that there's too much combustion, like smoking in this film that our community it will be too controversial for our community and their community in fact were people, <laughs> marijuana users that were being studied and using them for medical purposes. So there's just basically and this is what I do get concerned about. There's just a huge it's when you read Bill C forty three, which is our like our More Act, it's full of censorship and it's it's completely um, there's no freedom to to sponsor to support they look at every single aspect if you're 18 if it looks like careless use it's endless the, the the regulations which i suspect is in certain states as well i think we have a ways to go but i but i am optimistic that this is going to start to back off and hopefully not become a big conglomerate business too because we're seeing now all the dispensaries are becoming big chains they're the growers And once that happens, they start coming up with rules and economic costs and license fees that stops the smaller dispensaries from actually having to do their business. And so we don't want this to become like, you know, big corp, the industry itself, but I see that happening here already.
0: I don't think I think that freight train has already left the station. Yeah headed down the track. I mean, especially when you take a look here in the United States where, you know, we have a president who literally six months before elected said that he still thought that cannabis was a gateway drug. And then just recently fired anybody on the staff that had admitted to prior cannabis use. So we're yeah, not in the right direction. I think we're headed in a direction that's going to shock a lot of people very soon. You know, um, at one hand, one side of their face, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, the DEA uh, lifted some of the restrictions on testing and on research but then, out of another side of the face, they slammed the door on some testing and research. So it's, it's really I think we're still caught up with having to wait for a generation to die before, you know, we actually uh, make some headway. Um, without giving up a lot of of the story because we definitely want people to watch. Talk a little bit a little about you know the 1972 experiment, experiment. and literally this experiment was kind of put together to have a predetermined outcome,
1: correct? Yeah. So the experiment, it's interesting because there was two sides to the experiment. There was the, uh, the addiction research foundation, which was um, the Ontario government's big brother over people who consume drugs or even drank alcohol. And they basically agreed to fund the social scientist, who's Barry in the film to do experiments specifically on the effects of marijuana on women, Um, young women that had never, ever been done in the history of studies. There was a few done on men at that time. They obviously thought at at the time they thought when women consumed marijuana, for example, they became extremely promiscuous and they jump on their roofs and play the saxophone and do crazy shit. And it all basically was just, Paranoia that was going on. So they, they first of all, they thought, well, this is this is something's never been done. Let's see what happens. But the government, the, the Addiction Research Foundation, they assumed they had a control group. I they had a control group and a non a, a non-smoking group and a smoking group. And what they thought was, they would look at productivity. This is the social part of it. And they thought that the people who didn't smoke weed would be more productive. So they manufactured uh, macrame belts and they said they're going to make a lot more in a day cuz they get 250 each a belt so there's a financial incentive and on the non-smoking side they won't be less in, they will produce less and they have less incentive and make less money and probably just lie around all day that's what they expected the results to be and there was a physiological part where they did a lot of blood work and things they ended up with so much track marks in their arms it was ridiculous so then after that happened as the study started the smoking group were as productive and there was a couple of them that were excelling beyond the non-smoking group. They actually were determined. They, uh, you know, they got really high every night and they got up every day and they went to work like anybody else. And um, this was very, uh, the government was not happy about this. And so they said, well, we're spending all this money and um, we're doing this social study and it's not the results we want. So again, not to give too much away, but they did enhance the THC levels and they had to smoke, like, we all know when you smoke a joint, you pass it around, you have your quantity that you're comfortable with. They had to smoke two big fatties, like, but 15 minutes apart and choke it down. They couldn't share it. They couldn't pass it around. And so that was part of what was infused in them was that they made it stronger and stronger and stronger. To not give too much away, it still wasn't the results they looked at or were expecting. So it's really dealing with a government and and scientists that are tr- and it's still happening in many ways. That we can. That's another conversation. But how to basically skew the results to what they want? And unfortunately, it was at the expense of these young women. And that's where the story gets interesting because it really focuses on their on their um, resilience and their sisterhood, a very unlikely sisterhood, and how they came together and and dealt with this. So it's really um, it certainly has a lot of story in it about marijuana, but it's also as as much a backdrop to their lives and what they went through before and during this experiment
0: and it's a really powerful story of resilience when it comes to you know forming bonds i mean i think the ladies really show i I was really impressed by just just the the way you told the story and the women actually connected in ways that i don't think the scientists
1: expected them to right yep exactly exactly
0: now, what were you? What was your objective? I mean, again, we go into experiments, we go into films with an objective at the end. What was your objective when you decided to take this project on? Was it something to educate? Was it something to just reveal? What were you shooting for?
1: Well, the first thing uh, you know to keep in mind, it wasn't. I wanted it to still have entertainment value because if you can't educate and inform, if people are just sort of being lectured, and I didn't want to take a POV. I did not want to say. This is a movie where marijuana is bad, or this is a mar- movie where marijuana is good. The most important thing for me, and and it's been happening, and we're starting to have this conversation now. This was made so that people would watch it, and then it would resonate with them and stay with them. Like, there's so many movies you go and see, and yeah, it was entertaining, you forget about it. So I just wanted it to be provocative, entertaining, and resonate so that there could be conversations like this not just about marijuana, but just the human condition and and talking about things like experimenting on humans. And, and actually a lot of things are still happening now, sadly, not only around marijuana, but in general, that went on 49 years ago. And that is an important, when I did festivals, there was a lot of interesting discussion around that. And uh, there's so many, like I say, so many aspects of the film that what happened 49 years ago, that sadly is still headline news today.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and there there are studies that are being done right now on cannabis that go where science is going into the study with an objective to come out of the study to say, see, we told you this is bad. If you take a look at the majority of the studies that the U.S. government does, they are always looking for some sort of a solution or answer that they can jump on top of and scream, see, we told you cannabis was bad. Yep. Where and and a lot of results are coming out entirely different.
1: Right. Yep. I know. And that's, that's happening in every industry, not just the marijuana industry, the, the you know, they look at, it's a simple thing of looking at what's happening with vaccines and, and, and all the information and misinformation. And then the science wants to tell you this, and you're, you could read two papers and get two different stories on, on vaccines and the virus. And the, you know, it's, it's really tough because if there is a bent and an angle of media, or government, or science, you you have to do your cross referencing and not trust everything you read or see.
0: Absolutely. Did you uh, did you get an opportunity to screen this movie for the real participants?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Yes, I was I was really nervous. Um, not all of them are still alive, um, but the ones that I met, um, fortunately, still are and had really um, lengthy interviews with. I did a private screening for them, um, like virtual right now with what's going on. And I got some really good notes back, particularly from uh, one of them who is advocating for the movie right now, who was in the actual experiment. And she felt, it, it, to a certain extent, it was emotional for her um, because she felt like she was there again. But she felt looking at the the cultural and the societal things and the actual look of it and, and the time and stuff was really... She thought it was really well recreated, and I was so proud to hear that. But she was most impressed with how the girls were represented and felt very um, connected to that. So I, I was very relieved because when you do a true story, it's very different. Um, there's a lot of responsibility there to, be, to, to represent people fairly and honestly. And um, so I was very happy that they all got back to me, and, and the one in particular um, just sent me the most beautiful email about it and, and um, and and actually said to, on top of it, she really enjoyed it. So that was good and, and didn't want it to end. So that shows that at least it was also, you know, an entertainer as well.
0: And I mean, and let's make sure we make it clear that you literally created, though the, the characters are based on the real participants, you kind of like amalgamated them all and put them together and pulled them back apart so that they really could not be identified, right?
1: Yeah, I, that was my deal. I felt first of all, if if you don't do that, you're making a different movie in the sense that you're doing a biopic or a documentary. To do that, you get involved with life rights and stuff. My what I did was when I when I met them all, I explained that I wasn't going to use a real name, and that I was going to do a composite of their characters. That and with that came that's where I got so much honesty, truth from their experiences because they felt safe with me and that I would honor that. However, everything that happened did happen to each character. It just might be more in a composite way, like character A, B, and C might all, parts of it might be an A and others in B, etc. cetera. I, I, I would give examples, but there's spoiler alerts, but yeah, but basically I can say that this is one of the most true based on true stories there is. Um, and then what, took it, I think, to a different level was also getting into the laws and the morals of that time because there was some really other disturbing things happening back then, and that really, um, you know, added to it. But, but everything about those women, I can say, yes, this person experienced this, and yes, this person had that lifestyle, and yes. So it's it, there's there was no need to exaggerate other than to just make sure that they weren't, you know, specific, like, you know, oh, that's anti- you know, Mary or whatever. Um, And, and, but it didn't hurt the film at all. You know, it did, in the sense that it didn't have to, there was nothing really to fudge other than dealing with, you know, a fictional, not a fictional, a narrative structure, you know, and and that was actually fascinating to take all the character points and all the things that were happening at that time and, and blending it and creating this, um, you know, this uh, kaleidoscope, so to speak. And I, I really, it was, most enjoyable time i had writing something and i did get a lot of feedback from people that's how i work and and, and even on the set you know the we had the real woman come and, and visit the girls that they portrayed which was really cool we got a picture of that um and there's a certain element where the, the ladies were thankful to us because they this story is little known and they wanted it told and they still want answers about what happened to the study um, and the experiment but so it was really um, it's really been cathartic for me to have gone full circle with them from meeting them to them screening the film uh, and and also enjoying that that and and I think that was really the key to making it as honest as it could be was was the the composite aspect of it
0: and I mean and it, it did end without closure in a sense for a lot of them right
1: Yes. And that's what makes an independent film. You know, if this was something I was doing, a TV movie, everyone would want the closure. The arcs are really different. Um, mm-hmm. And I it's funny because I had somebody tell me um, at a festival, they said actually it was a review, a really good review. And he said they've never seen a film where they where they like certain people to start so much. And by the end, they don't. Where other characters they don't like at the start and the end so much, at, and they like so much at the end. It was the biggest compliment I could ever receive. They were real arcs, um, so it was very like I really appreciated hearing that. But they also, like I say, they went on this journey, and some came in not in good shape. Like one was there to find herself, and it's at first it was a really happy for it was like hippie camp. She loved it, and as time went on, and then being watched all the time. Uh, that's part of the experiment they were observed twenty four seven except when they slept It became and the isolation they had to deal with it became harder and harder it was it was not humane and then of course, the trying to you know manipulate the marijuana to get the results they wanted when all that happened um it made her worse off. The one thing you know and again, not to give anything away the marijuana wasn't really the problem in the long term it was really just the isolation and the way they were treated. Had more of a psychological effect on them and what happened some of them were like teflon like they went in and they just did their thing and made a lot of money some of them made no belts but just wanted to party i mean they, they all had different different places going but they the hardest thing for them all was to leave each other because they did feel very um, connected, and you know, I, I'd say to them like, you know, did you have little fights? Did you did people get cliquey? She goes, no, we were all in it together. Right? Sure, you have little, you know, you might say you left the toothpaste cap off. What's wrong with you? But there was that really. Int- I was surprised actually that they said that. So um, yeah, so it was a, a really fascinating thing to to tell the story and to be able to talk to the actresses, and and I think they're all really marvelous but to be able to talk to them more about it and say, you know, this is really what was going on in their head at that point and stuff like that. So, and they brought a lot to it as well. You know, they really were committed to that and, you know, just to, to, to do all the, you know, the ingestion and the combustion they had to do, um, you know, it it was a big commitment they made, but they all, they all wanted to do it.
0: And what was, what was one of the most shocking things that you you found delving into research?
1: Well, I think the most shocking thing was human experimenting in 1972. There was zero um, regulations whatsoever. You could do whatever you wanted to anybody as long as they signed a half-page release form. I think it really disturbed me that they could just change what they were doing and how they were doing it. And what's interesting is when I did further research about human experimenting in Canada, the first official regulations was 1998 it's almost this, this millennial. And the first ones I read, they were self-regulated. So the pharma company, the big pharma company that was going to do the experiment with people or whatever, ingest them with, with their pharmaceuticals, they were the ones that policed themselves. And it wasn't until midway through the 2000s, basically where they like around 2005, where they got serious about them and said, this has to be third party um, monitored, experimenting and regulations and and, an application. So it again i didn't i thought the first thing it is, well when did they start regulating human experimenting and then i got past the 70s into the 80s I said, this is crazy you know there was really lame ones in 88 that got thrown out in, in parliament but so so that i think that surprised me the most it's just that you can do human experimenting and it and globally it goes on still terribly you know and and that's that's i think the thing that and also just how much we haven't changed that was tough. Right.
0: Right. Well, you know, now we uh, you just uh, did your global release on uh, 420. So where can people see that? Where can people uh, pull it down? Is it available? Will it be available on all the streaming services?
1: Right. So we're just finishing it right now. We haven't done the international yet. We're doing North America. International is coming soon. Um, So we did a. We played the the virtual cinemas in the States um, because just for safety, but there's gonna be a big push starting 420 (laughs) um, to release the movie. Uh, But From that point on, it's gonna be on absolutely every um, digital platform there is and also on demand, cable on demand. So it's gonna be absolutely everywhere. And the distributors, uh, the Canadian distributor Vortex and then uh, Samuel Golden Films who's doing the US. They're really behind the film and understand it and believe in it. So we're really excited with, um, with, with the release and um, they, you know, Goldwyn's known for quality independent and um, art films and they just got three Oscar nominations for two of their movies. So I think we're in a, with, with the right people that, that really understand the film and the themes and, you know, also the, you know, the, the aspects of the marijuana story and it, how topical it still is and becoming more so.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think this movie is going to blow up. I think you're going to blow up uh, way bigger than you think you are. And <laughs> if it does, I mean, do you have any any plans to develop out any more cannabis kind of related projects?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think what I would do, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of stories I'm interested in. And I would probably pursue more of the documentary aspects of that, uh, of the of the cannabis side of it, because I actually do have. I want to go back into documentary because that's just like independent films. I think that there's so many stories to be told about cannabis and they can make a difference. We did actually, it's funny, we did play a festival in um, Buenos Aires, uh, that's specifically for cannabis uh, movies, documentary shorts and films. And then also we played, they want us to do another one. We can't because of our time release, but there's actual festivals dedicated to that. I saw some of the stuff and it really inspired me, some of those shorts and documentaries. So I think when I explore that part of it, it would be more on the documentary side than narrative. Unless a really interesting story comes across again that has you know, a, mar- a marijuana angle to it, I would not hesitate in a minute.
0: I mean, I, I find it very, it's very interesting. You know, a lot of the documentaries that have been done on cannabis it really never really delve into the true history of cannabis i mean you know a lot of people just go back to 1937 and reefer madness but they skip everything that happened since 1590 i mean yeah. you know the recent studies show that uh, when they you know scraped the inside of benjamin franklin's pipe <laughs> that had been sitting on his desk in the smithsonian institute for like you know 30 40 years they scraped the inside of that pipe and they realized Benjamin Franklin was smoking a little bit of that hemp that he was growing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if somebody finally told the truth about what you know North America was built on, it was built not on tobacco and cotton, it was built on hemp.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: so I, I think more people would recognize the you know the fact that this has been a part of our life for 500 years, really for 3,000 years, but part of recent man for the last 500. So you're thinking that might be something you might like to get to get into? I'd love to, to work with you on one of those. Oh, that's, oh, that sounds
1: great. There is a great history there, for sure. I I, I totally agree.
0: And now, uh, it, what what were some of the naysayers who, who you know, seen it? I mean, we like to talk positive, but let's talk a little bit of the negative. Any negatives out of the film that people have looked at? It? I think... Well, no, I, I, specifically, those who were afraid to get behind it I'm sure you sent them a copy of it to say, what were you so afraid of? What do they have to say?
1: Well, it's a little early in its release. I mean, there's always the problem with critics. Um, some of them, if you're anti-marijuana or, you know, it, it, it's a long story, but I have seen a couple of reviews that were remarkably positive and really understood the film, really understood it and the characters and the role of marijuana and the, and the control and the conspiracy of it. And then I've seen a pick of people that, that don't even want to talk about that. And they'll begrudgingly say, yeah, it was really interesting characters. And they really recreated the air, the area well. But alpha give its flaws. And it's like, what flaws are you referring to? Like, there was very little mention of even the, what it was about, <laughs> even though it's in the title. And so I thought, is this person anti-marijuana that's writing this film review? Or what are they missing there? Or What am I missing? Because it didn't correlate to what the film really was about i suspect that it's gonna it might have an element of love or hate depending on your views on marijuana or your just views in general and for that um i'd rather have something that's talked about and controversial to a certain extent than just yeah it was okay so i'm 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 ready for that and um you know i'm very like i say i'm very proud of it and the story it brings out and i'm also proud that i didn't i didn't feel i took a bias because i wasn't there to prove I was there to tell their story. I wasn't there to say marijuana is great or marijuana is bad. I was just there to say, this is what they did with it. It's not the marijuana, <laughs> you know, and, and this is, this is how they, they handled it. But um, you know, it's interesting because one of the real women she'd be in her seventies now and and she still uses marijuana for, for um, medicinal purposes. She says, helps me sleep better. I have sciatica. Um, my husband makes me hash brownies every day. <laughs> And so, you know, she's still using it. Um, one of the ladies said it was like eating too much chocolate after they force fed me that long and that much and that strong. It um, it wasn't for me anymore. So it's it's really interesting how they all had different aspects to deal with.
0: Well, I'd say I think I, I applaud you for even making the film in you know, the marijuana conspiracy. And um, I hope that all of my viewers, you know, will go and, and download it and take a look at it. I really found it entertaining. I enjoyed it and enjoyed the experience and enjoyed the ride that you took us on. So uh, I'm looking Thank forward to the the next project that you put out.
1: Excellent. I really appreciate that. And your time to highlight on your show. I love your show. And also to um, to have watched the film and, and given a bit of a showcase. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. No, sir. Thank you so much. Well, you've been listening to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Make sure you go out and watch The Marijuana Conspiracy. Craig Price, great work, my friend. And uh, make sure you also watch The Good Witch. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys take care. Be well, sir. Stay safe. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with montal Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. <laughs>